if Salem immediately comes to mind when you hear witches, buckle up. That's one of the stops we'll make this episode. The last one, in fact. But we're going to start out in Europe and check out museums in Germany, Spain, England, Switzerland, and Iceland, and then head back to the U.S. and visit Louisiana and Ohio before heading up to Massachusetts. Phew, that's a lot of places. Let's hop on our broomsticks and get this episode off the ground. Hello, fellow restless spirit and intrepid traveler. Whether you're a frequent flyer or a newbie, thank you so much for tuning in to Sail the Airwaves with me. Glad to have you along for the ride. My name is Courtney Maroc, and I'll be your host and guide for this episode as we explore witch museums around the world. Before we begin, however, what is witchcraft? Or rather, what is it that makes one a witch? In the Magic Museums episode, I talked a little bit about how magic can be classified into at least eight different schools. However, there are really only two types of magicians, practitioners and performers. Performers can be practitioners too and vice versa, but performers are mostly concerned with the art of illusion and entertainment. They set out to bewitch, beguile, and bewilder audiences with tricks and sleight of hand. Practitioners, on the other hand, or the witches, wizards, and sorcerers, are the spellcasters who attempt to manipulate the natural world and conjure certain outcomes. They claim to have supernatural powers or the ability to harness them. In the past, even though they were often credited with wild otherworldly supernatural powers, most witches were simply just healers who sought to aid others by using the gifts from the world around them to soothe body, mind, and spirit, which often led them to being misunderstood. Because before there were actual dangerous weapons of mass destruction of the mankind variety, witchcraft was viewed much the same way. In the wrong hands, it had the potential to be catastrophic. It's understandable why people feared it, and still do today, as a devil's tool, and therefore anyone practicing it is associating with the devil himself. So throughout much of history, witches were feared instead of revered. Not that they're actually revered today either, but comparatively speaking. Because even pop culture insists on often painting them as villains. Often, but not always. The movie Bell, Book, and Candle with Kim Novak and James Stewart in the 50s and the TV show Bewitched in the 60s painted a quirky yet kinder side to witches. The 1990s conjured a renewed interest in witches with the TV show Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which was a reimagining of Bewitched. That's a whole lot of witches all in one sentence. 
But one author almost single-handedly transformed how we view witches. I'm, of course, talking about J.K. Rowling and her wildly popular Harry Potter books that were adapted into equally popular, wildly popular, I might add, movies. Both Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Harry Potter contributed to cleaning up the witch image, so to speak, and portraying them in a new light with more depth and dimension. Thanks to Sabrina and Harry Potter, we ventured inside the life of witches like never before. It wasn't just that witches were born with powers. They had to learn how to harness and master their skills and also how to conceal them from, to use an expression from Harry Potter, muggles or non-witches. Which is really crazy because even for all of their power, witches have often been forced to conceal their authentic selves from the world. To do otherwise could mean death, and often did. As History.com explained, witch hysteria really took hold in the mid-1440s. They further estimated that between the years 1500 and 1660, up to 80,000 suspected witches were put to death in Europe. Most of those who were put to death were single women or widows or women otherwise on the margins of society and thought to be in cahoots with the devil and filled with lust. God forbid a woman's filled with lust. Germany dominated with the most witchcraft trials and executions. A great place to learn about Germany's witch trials is at Magicum. Tucked underground in a historic building in the heart of Berlin, Magicum presents exhibits that cover the type of magical history we covered in the Magic Museums episode, or parlor magic tricks, as the otherworldly oracle put it. But Magicum also highlights the occult, witches, and alchemy in various cultures and religions. Surprisingly, Switzerland of all countries had the second highest witchcraft trials and executions rate. Or maybe that's just surprising to me, knowing they're a country famous for their neutrality. But they executed half of the nearly 10,000 people they tried as witches. A place that honors these people is the Hexen Museum Schweiz in Granischen, Switzerland. In addition to covering Switzerland's witch trials, the museum also includes witch history and artifacts from all over the world and every culture. But what I found interesting about this museum is that its mission is more personal. The museum's founder is a modern-day witch who also strives to bring awareness to the prejudices which is still faced today. France, Scotland, Spain, Hungary, England, Belgium, Norway, and Finland rounded out the top 10 European countries on Statistica's death toll of Europe's witch trials graph. A couple of those countries also have witch museums, like the Museo de las Brujas in Zugaramurdi, Spain, and the Museum of Witchcraft and Magic in Bocasso, Cornwall, UK. We'll start with Spain's Witchcraft Museum. 
It chronicles the witch hunts in a town that was, as Atlas Obscura put it, terrorized by the Spanish Inquisition in the 1600s. All of the accused, over 7,000 of them, were rounded up and tried in one of the largest witch hunt trials in history. These days, Zagoromurdi is to Spain what Salem is to the U.S. Or, as Atlas Obscura so brilliantly put it, the town seems to have taken back its identity, not by distancing itself from its historic tragedy, but by embracing its legacy, warts and all. See, sounds a lot like Salem, right? Then there's England. As of this recording, the Museum of Witchcraft and Magic in Bowcastle is temporarily closed, but on its website, it declares that it has the world's largest collection of witchcraft and occult-related objects, with over 3,000 on display to intrigue and inspire which is maybe why it describes itself as one of Britain's most unique and loved independent museums. It really looks like an amazing place to visit to learn more about the history of witchcraft in Europe, which includes witch trials in addition to folk and ceremonial magic, Wicca, and other aspects of the occult. A witch museum that a guide to Iceland warns isn't for the faint of heart, unless zombies, milk-sucking demons, and magical staves don't bother you, is the Museum of Icelandic Witchcraft and Sorcery in Holmvik, Iceland. Now, I know what zombies and demons are, although I've never heard of a milk-sucking one before, but what's a stave? According to Iceland rovers, Icelandic magical staves are magical symbols or drawings. They were carved on objects like farm equipment or even in some cases on farm animals or drawn in books or on pieces of paper to invoke some sort of magic, usually protection from something or to attract good fortune. You can see examples of staves at the Museum of Icelandic Witchcraft and Sorcery, including what a guide to Iceland indicated was the most popular exhibit, the necropants. What in the heck are necropants? You're wondering that, so was I. Well, let me tell you, they're disturbing and very disgusting. A guide to Iceland shared a translation from the museum's website from the collection of folklore by John Arneson, which explains what necropants are and how you make them. But don't worry, the ones that are on display in the museum are not real, thankfully. They're a replica. But what you do is you get permission from a man while he's alive that you can have this, his skin from his legs when he's dead. And when he dies, you dig up his corpse and you skin him from the waist down, private parts and all. The private parts are important because that becomes the pocket. Next, you have to step into the skin so that it clings to yours. Then you have to steal a coin from a poor widow and put it plus a piece of paper with a specific stave or magical sign drawn on it in the scrotum. See, told you it was going to become the pocket. But why would you want a pair of necropants? Apparently, if done properly, 
and the original coin is never removed, it will attract money. And by stepping out of the pants in a certain way, they can be passed down from generation to generation. So I've heard of inherited wealth before, but never quite like this. And again, thankfully, the pair on display in the museum is a replica, but wow, wild, right? I'm actually telling you that I knew Iceland was no stranger to myths or magic, but the Museum of Icelandic Witchcraft and Sorcery was truly eye-opening. Another surprising thing I learned was that even Iceland, with people who are often rated the happiest in the world, was not immune to witch trials. However, interestingly, this is one place where it seems more men were burned at the stake for being sorcerers than women were put to death for being witches, which is sort of unusual. Okay, we're at our final European witch museum, which is the Museum of Alchemy in Prague, Czechia. At one time, specifically during the 16th century and the reign of Rudolf II, Prague was considered the unofficial capital of dark arts. Alchemy was encouraged and alchemists mixed and stirred and created concoctions, potions, and elixirs to cure, transform, and persuade or kill, depending on what magic someone hoped to accomplish. I guess you could say they were the mad scientists of the occult. And that's what you'll learn about at the Museum of Alchemy in Prague. All right, now let's jump over to the States and to another religion that's similar to Wicca that is often misunderstood, voodoo. A great place to learn about the tradition and history of voodoo is at the New Orleans Historic Voodoo Museum in Louisiana. As they put it, they take all the mysteries, the secrets, the history, and the folklores of rituals, zombies, of grigri, of voodoo queens, and all that jazz, and put it all in one place at the heart of the New Orleans French Quarter. Another great place to explore the history and culture of witchcraft and magic in America is at the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft in Cleveland, Ohio, which for this episode, I happened to put on their shirt. Let me, let me stand up and I can show you really quick. It's a pretty cool shirt. Ohio. In season one, episode 65, we took a virtual jaunt to the Buckland Museum with its director and co-owner, Stephen Intermel. We discussed the museum's many firsts, including its namesake, Raymond Buckland, who was the first open Wiccan in the U.S. The museum he founded was also the first witch museum in the U.S. that was exclusively dedicated to the history and craft of witches. In addition to a guided tour, so advanced tickets are required, the museum also presents a rotating gallery of artists and artwork in its exhibit. But of course, as I alluded to at the start of this episode, 
Salem is the place that pops to most people's mind when you mention witches in America. In many respects, the Massachusetts city is a witch museum unto itself. Their tagline is still making history, and they really are. The infamous witch trials that started in 1692 certainly put Salem on the map. But in 1790, it was America's sixth largest city and has quite a seafaring and literary history, too. But it's the witches that draw so many visitors each year, especially during the city's haunted happenings month-long celebration each fall. If you want to immerse yourself in witchy museums, you have your pick in Salem, but the two iconic staples are the Salem Witch Museum and the Salem Witch House. A visit to the Witch Museum includes watching a presentation play out on life-sized replicas of some of the key players and moments in the witch trials. Afterward, you get to explore exhibits about witchcraft today. The Salem Witch House was once the residence of Judge Jonathan Corwin, one of the judges of the witchcraft trials of 1692, and the house is the only structure still standing with direct ties to the trials. It includes displays about witchcraft beliefs of the time, but also lets you see an example of how people lived back in the day, too. But really, you can't turn around without bumping into something witchy in Salem, including a bronze bewitched statue, which I think it's obligatory to pose with. At least that's what I told my husband when I made him take a picture of me with it. And that's it. Time to put our broomsticks away for now. Although you may want to keep them handy if you tune into next time's Macabre Museums episode here on the Haunchons podcast. We may need them to fend off beasts as we explore museums where monsters and mythical creatures roam. If you don't want to miss out, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you so much for sailing the airwaves with me. Just so you know who to praise, or blame if you have nightmares. My name is Courtney Maroc, and it's been my pleasure to be your host and guide for this episode. Until our paths cross again, ciao for now. Mm-hmm.